0: Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin the proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those ancestral helping spirits who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us. I call out to those people who walked the earth and met the challenges of their time and in this way have created a great legacy – that we, the current living, can draw on to help to inform us in how we meet the challenges in our own time. So I call out to these ancestral helping spirits to gather round each one of us strong and true and help us to realize the deep truth of that which ails our time. And to bring forth the medicine within us that can allow us all to create the transformations necessary to do the things that need to be done for those who are coming. And may we live in a way that our descendants look back at us and are proud to call us their ancestors, not embarrassed to wonder what were we thinking and why we didn't, why didn't we do a better job? So I call out to these ancestors to help us to become those good, true, and beautiful ancestors and ask them to be with us as we talk here today about how to be more engaged, more open-hearted, more aligned as the living. And let us reach beyond our human ancestors and open up to a much greater awareness of what it means to be part of all life, that humans are but a thread throughout life here on earth, a powerful thread, but a thread nonetheless. And let us open ourselves with humility and respect and deep gratitude to the rest of life that stands around us in other than human form. For without the rest of life, there would be no humans. And let us reach out to these ancient ones, particularly the plant world and all the great wisdom they hold for having been here for so, so, so very long. And we ask all of these other than human ancestors to help us to tune in to our own true nature, to understand what is our uniqueness here as humans in this great fabric of life, And how do we surrender ourselves more fully into being that manifestation of being a human? And so as we give great gratitude to the many, many forms that our ancestors come in all the way back to the earth herself, let us give thanks as they gather round and focus to gather ourself from all the many places our mind might be scattered at this moment, drawing our mind into our head. taking another breath and settling a bit deeper, bringing our consciousness down into our hearts and then even deeper still, drawing our conscious awareness down into our bellies. And then let us extend out from our belly to the earth and take a moment to give gratitude for your life. Give deep and profound thanks for the awe and inspiration of simply being alive for the beauty and the wonder in this day, even those days that have so far handed you nothing but challenges. We give gratitude for these are the things that help us to grow into the men and the women we really have the potential to be. We give uh, deep, deep gratitude to the earth for beauty, for diversity, and for this place that we walk out the path of our soul's journey towards its destiny. So let us reach down through the earth, through all the layers of the earth, letting the gratitude in our heart pour out to every layer of the earth, reaching all the way down to the very center of the earth. And take a moment there, again slowing down, breathing more deeply, settling in to a kind of stillness that allows us to open ourselves to that which draws its power from darkness and solitude, from stillness. And silence. Those that is, that energy that is fundamentally unplugged from the many, many things that distract us in our day. Let us tune deeply into that richness of the energy that is before all the abundance that we celebrate here on earth. All of the beauty, all of the diversity, all of the environments, All of the many things come from this source and let us reach deeply into this source and invite it to come up into ourselves and into our day, into these proceedings in a way that will replenish and renew and restore us. Helping us to open to the possibilities of this day with a kind of newness, a kind of possible blossoming that felt totally out of our reach yesterday. So as we call the energy of the earth up through all the layers of the earth and into our body, let us reach deeply into the earth and learn from the earth how to be grounded, how to be present in our own body, to know who we are and to know what we stand for in this life. And from that to draw a deep sense of what we value, what has heart and meaning. And to make the choice here with your feet firmly planted on the earth to shape a life based on what has heart and meaning for you. And to create your sense of home and hearth from these things that you value truly of your own accord, of your own choice. And I encourage you in that to open the door of your home to the other. To those you see as other than yourself, for it is in listening to them, deep, deep, heartfelt listening, and coming to understand that which other than who we are, that we are all provoked into becoming what is our true potential in this life. And let us set a place at our table and open ourselves to that which is not yet familiar, that which disturbs us, potentially that which irritates us. And open to it in a way that we can grow and come to understand the deeper potential here for human life. And as we reach out to the energy of the earth to help us to continue to understand connection, interconnection, and our relationships with all the aspects of ourself. Our fragmented selves, our shadow selves, our lost soul parts. As we come to understand that there are many, many aspects of ourselves, And it is our task to create wholeness, no matter what our path has been. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand what right relationship is with ourself and others, with ourself and the environment, with ourself and the spirit world. And as we continue to grow in our understanding of right relationship, let us draw on the energy of the earth to support us in rising up Up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and up and out, out through the sky, whatever it is above you through the weather, whatever the day has in store for you, rising up through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe by whatever name you call it in whatever way you understand it. Let us no longer bicker about these details, but simply connect to this energy. And be willing to be a source, a vehicle here in the world for this energy to shine down, to be received, and to offer blessing and protection in your own life and to others. Inspiration and illumination. To feel the benevolence of the universe and allow it to inform how you view your day. To draw these energies in that we may see and feel deep devotion Deep focus on what it is that is before us and how to do it in a way that inspires others to discover their own. So as we draw this energy in from above and feel the true beneficence of the universe, as these radiant energies radiate down upon us, let us draw that energy all the way down and send it to the center of the earth. And as these energies connect... May the true love that connects these energies, this great, big, legendary love, awaken the spirit of our own heart. And in that heart, let us awaken the crucible of transformation, drawing up the deep, deep passions of our deep self down in our root, in our, in our dantian, drawing that energy up into our heart. And drawing from our mind that crystal clarity of learning, how do we do things here in the world, in our time, what's going on around us? That inquisitive nature that helps us understand how, what are the creative ways that we can bring our soul's truest purpose out into the world. And I encourage you to reach into that heart. Do not reach outside of yourself. Reach inside to your own heart to find the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts, that creative genius out into the world. We give enormous gratitude to all of the helping spirits that help us in doing this all the time, whether we call on them or not, and whether we believe in them or not. They believe in us. And I want to give thanks to Sherwood and Shane, to Megan, Lynn Marie, Abigail, Emily, Dale... Marie and Sarah, and all the listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show. The show is listener-supported. As many of you know, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small, um, in any currency. We're happy to receive it. It all goes directly to keeping this show on the air. So, th- so for those of you who are new listeners, um, this show is listener-supported, and I invite you to – Consider how it is that you might share this show to help it to grow stronger, to help it to stay relevant um, by donating, um, by listening to how it moves you in your heart and to take action on that. Uh, to To not only share the posts about the show, to bring it into your own journey circles, into your own practice. But let this not be just a passive activity of listening and thinking, oh, Christina must be talking just to me. But actually take these ideas into your life and see what you can make of them. And for all that you are willing and able to do to help me help the show grow strong, I'm deeply grateful. The show is live here today, um, a companion show with last week's show, which was a rerun from a couple years ago in the archives. So if you have any questions about today's topic, which is PTSD is not a mental illness, um, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from the Network.com site, or you can always email me at Christina at LastMaskCenter.org. All right, so as I just said, um, last week we re-ran a show from the archives called What Is PTSD? And in that show, I was simply trying to connect the dots for people about uh the direct link between what is now being called PTSD by our therapeutic community around the world and soul loss. And... Um, Again, I I re-ran this show simply to lay the groundwork today so I didn't have to cover that ground again. Um, And so as I want to focus even more deeply today that PTSD is an illness of the soul. It is not an illness of the mind. Today, PTSD is now considered an anxiety disorder, quoting uh, the lovely internet, However, the cluster of symptoms used to diagnose PTSD, which for those who aren't hip to the language, post-traumatic stress disorder, or the expanded set for what is now called complex PTSD, um, all simply describe, all these symptoms simply describe how a completely healthy and completely sane human being responds and feels and tries to adapt to having experienced soul loss. In other words, this is not a disorder and it is not a mental illness, that shamans have been affecting, effectively treating soul loss caused by trauma or chronic abuse for thousands of years, thousands of years, right? So if the dedicated researchers and therapists, and I mean this, people are really dedicated to understanding how to help their fellow human beings recover from trauma, but if those who are dedicated to this study and the treatment of what is now being called PTSD could understand that they are frankly all late to this party, that those who have experienced trauma and shamans have been at this work for thousands of years, there is a deep, deep reservoir of information and experience about how to literally and directly cure this situation. And so that's what I really want to talk about today is that it's time to start working with shamans as colleagues so that the suffering can find a path to healing that occurs in months and not years. And that is a path to healing that is actually possible. Because there there are many people being told by their therapists – And even in educational institutions training therapists that you can't recover from PTSD, that it's like a diagnosis like childhood diabetes or childhood blindness, that you're just stuck with it for the rest of your life. And these are the things we can do to help you adapt. And so what I'd like to talk about today is the folly in in some of the avenues that people are beginning to travel down relative to this, in some ways, new realm uh, in therapy. And again, to point out that it is not a new realm for shamans. It's the point. It's the, in many ways, the defining characteristic of what makes shamanic healing shamanic healing is that ability to work with spirit to move outside of space and time and to encounter people's soul parts and to do what needs to be done to help them return. And then assuming they've been gone for a long time, then helping the person to integrate that energy back into their life in a way that allows them to leave their identification with their traumatized past behind. And this is something practitioners see Shamanic practitioners see all the time in their practice. I mean, initiated shamanic practitioners. This is the, this is the the mainstay of their practice. It is not the exception. It is the rule. And I believe if if people and I believe people are sincere about helping people, other human beings recover from trauma. But if you're truly sincere, then it's time for people to step out of their ivory tower and the arrogance that academia tends to instill in many practitioners um, and I experience this all the time and um, I love you guys but shamans are not treated as respected colleagues by the majority of practitioners of healthcare practitioners out there in the world that's the bottom line right now and it's time for that to stop if you truly consider yourself someone dedicated to healing trauma because We have the magic ticket and we need to be working together because there is a lot of people in situations so many years into their trauma that in some ways they need a much larger support system to help with all the kind of ancillary things that they need to support them in the recovery from their trauma. That the soul loss is no longer just the root of the situation and I don't have a situation where I can do that because my practice, my profession is so profoundly disrespected by the rest of the healthcare profession. And I I honestly, I mean, really, I am on a soapbox today. I will admit it, freely admit it. It is time for people to start – stop acting like they've invented the treatment for this and begin to speak to the people – who have been doing this literally for thousands of years and anything i share today that is a story from my own practice and i'm going to share stories from my own practice things that are really normal every day in my practice i am not saying that i'm special i'm saying that truly initiated shamanic practitioners are because what is true for me is true for any initiated shamanic practitioner anywhere in the world practicing today whether they're practicing traditionally or for me sort of an authentic, non-traditional practice. This is normal for us. And it's time that that begins to be an active, asked-for part of the conversation. Okay, so, quick review. For those of you that didn't happen to listen to the show last week, um, we explored understanding that soul loss is always involved in PTSD. And, And again, Assuming the PTSD is actually a correct diagnosis in the first place, and that's another problem that we're seeing now as with all diagnosis-based medicine is you can get the diagnosis wrong. It happens a lot, Okay, but assuming correct diagnosis of PTSD, there will be soul loss. It is not PTSD if there is no soul loss. That that is – they are always linked because it is the soul loss inherent in the situation that is what is creating the – at the root of the response that creates the symptoms that are being labeled PTSD. Okay. So the whole point of that show was to help us see that it is a wounding of the soul and not the mind and that by including shamanic healing in the modalities prescribed, we can alleviate suffering – much more quickly at its source. So in that show, the the one we is in the um, archives, called "What Is PTSD." So in that show, we explore that what PTSD is, why it is not just getting triggered by unresolved issues from your past. Um, in other words, just getting triggered by your family dysfunction. That's not PTSD. Okay. That's normal response to the way that your family's dysfunction has shaped your addiction and codependence in your life and you haven't resolved that yet. And those issues can all be resolved via clearing and education around energy body hygiene. They're not soul loss. They, I mean they can be soul loss but I was trying to make a distinction between anybody who gets triggered saying I have PTSD and recognizing the profound – Arrogance and privilege in that and not understanding that as being very distinct from the experience of people that have experienced sustained uh, trauma or abuse or long-term abuse potentially in their family system or in events like war or rape or something like that. Okay, so right. And in that show, obviously, I'm beginning this whole effort to really encourage the public who is looking for healthcare to step beyond the boundaries of psychiatry and therapy into shamanism. If you have a if you have a true PTSD diagnosis and you believe that is true, reach out for shamanic healing as an aspect of what you're doing. And I also talked about how critically important it is uh, for those suffering from PTSD to take. Um, to take these steps necessary to heal, even if it challenges your belief system, even if you don't want to believe in soul loss and soul retrieval, even if you don't like any of those ideas, even if the whole shamanism thing makes you very, very nervous because it challenges, for example, your religious views. That's true for a lot of people. Do it anyway because PTSD often re-traumatize, or additionally traumatizes those who are close to you and those who love you, and those who are vulnerable to you like your own children. And so for that reason alone, it is worth uh, stepping up and getting the soul retrieval work necessary uh, in addition to the rest of what you're doing for your uh, trauma recovery um, because we don't need to pass this down to the next generation. You know, we're passing down a lot to the next generations, and this is one thing we don't have to pass down if we if we would simply choose to get the healing that we need. Okay. So one of the things I talked about in that show that is important also for today's show is what I have learned about how human beings fragment from all the different systems that I've educated myself in as a healer, but also from seeing uh, what is actually happening with people from the perspective of the shamanic journey you know diagnosing out of a shamanic journey and looking at the distinction between what is actually soul loss what is energy loss what is dysfunction what is bad energy hygiene what is um you know any number of other things and that could get to be really complex and way too much to talk about in a one-hour podcast but um The simplest way to begin to understand um, what the helping spirits have been showing me about how, how to assist people in recovering from trauma among other things is to understand that human beings fragment in different levels for lack of a better word different qualities of energy they fragment at different qualities of energy and these they fragment to different degrees now this is something i have talked about on many shows in many different contexts so i'm not going to belabor it but the point is we can marginalize marginalized selves do not require soul retrieval and they do not actually cause symptoms of at the level that should be accurately diagnosed as ptsd that most people have marginalized selves, selves you don't really own and honor and allow to be a healthy part of the you that's making the decisions. We have shadow selves, whole nother issue here. Um, and then we have dissociation, which is uh, selves, which are not soul lost parts. They can be retrieved through excellent therapy. They can also be retrieved through shamanism soul retrieval. But they're not soul parts because they're not gone. They haven't left the person's sphere of influence. And so in other words, these are just kind of the sequence of as the degree of judgment, fear, shame, blame, as the degree of the perpetration or the violation rises or the simple threat to life it could be very impersonal threat to life like a car accident the degree to which a person splits changes as the degree of the threat changes so there's marginalized selves there's shadow selves there's dissociated selves and then we finally have soul lost selves why is this important this is important because I want to try to explain today why we have such a jumbled, misunderstood idea of what is going on here. And, and so p- part of the beauty of this sense of selves, different selves we can lose, is that we don't have any other language other than to refer to all of them as a part of myself. And when it's the issue and we finally reunite with it and are made whole again with it, it feels like genius, And so there is a tendency for practitioners that are not initiated shamanic healers who don't exactly really understand where the line is between soul retrieval and not really soul retrieval, just another kind of energy returning is they don't understand that through many other modalities, what we're doing is we are healing the relationship with the marginalized self. We're healing the relationship with the dissociated self, not always healing a relationship with the shadow self. But the point is there's lots of selves that can come back. They're not all soul parts, but they are profoundly healing when they come back. And this explains a lot of why people think they're performing soul retrieval When they are not. And why am I saying with confidence they are not? I'm saying with confidence they are not because it is very common for shamanic practitioners to have clients that are already in trauma therapy, already doing EMDR, already doing um, holotropic breath work, already doing many of the things that people offhandedly say, well, we just do the soul retrieval that way. And there's still soul retrieval for me to do, not of other things that haven't been addressed yet, but of the things the person has been told by their pr- practitioner they have addressed, which makes them feel really shitty because they know they haven't and they think they're failing. And to have someone who is already traumatized now being told something that isn't true, but by someone that they trust. And so they assume, well, if this is true, then I'm the one who's failing. It's kind of re-traumatizing. And so if we could simply open up our awareness and let the soul retrievals be soul retrievals, the soul loss be soul loss, and, and, and understand how to all start working together with a shared perspective about what's going on, we would all be, be- all, including the shamans, would be more helpful for these people that have experienced trauma. Okay, so common thing that I hear as people are integrating soul retrieval work, who are already in trauma therapy, it's not easy work. The integration of soul parts for people that have experienced any kind of trauma, whether therapists are describing it as PTSD or complex PTSD, from a shamanic perspective, it doesn't matter. It's all soul loss. It doesn't really matter whether it's happening in the dynamics of the family or in an isolated event. It's – it's, and there's no need to make it more complicated. (laughs) It's already complicated enough as it is. The common thing that I hear is once once they're on the other side of the integration and starting to see the changes in their life and what they weren't able to access before that they can now, which are also qualities that they experience through their trauma therapy. Because there's lots of other facets when someone's been living with the results of trauma for a long time. But what they say, and these are people that are doing EMDR, all doing everything, the whole package. It's like, Wow. I did a year of trauma therapy in one session with you. That is not an uncommon comment for me to get. But as I said, also other initiated shamanic practitioners. I'm not trying to put myself up on a billboard. I'm just saying that that is ordinary in my existence as a shamanic practitioner because of what soul true soul retrieval actually does for people. And how it complements and fits into the other sort of web of wonderful work that is happening through their um, recovery, their trauma recovery therapy that they're getting and all of the many facets of that. But it's really – the important thing that therapists I think are not understanding is because their therapist has told them you how this is like a soul retrieval. You've already had the soul retrieval. Now they can't have the conversation with you that they haven't. That telling people they have had what they haven't had when they are your client shuts off the conversation for them to let you know that that isn't true, that that's not their experience. And so practitioners like myself end up hearing blah, blah, blah happened. My therapist said this is this, but I'm not experiencing that. What's wrong with me? And if you had any idea – how many of your clients are actually doing that, essentially going behind your back to get the shamanic healing to try to figure out what's wrong with them because you've told them they should feel different. Now for anyone who's truly authentically engaged in trauma therapy, for you to know that's happening, I know that's breaking your heart. I know it. You're good people. You're doing the hard work. But it is happening. <laughs> It's making me so crazy right now in trying to get across, not that shamans are better, but that you are not doing soul retrieval. And if you would open up with collegial, professional respect kind of relationships with practitioners you can recommend to your clients, this whole thing would be better for everybody. Shamans wouldn't be put in positions with people that refuse to go to therapists because they don't like how they were treated because we're not therapists. We're not supposed to be doing that part, right? And I'm much happier to work with practitioners in other modalities. And I believe in this particular case where we are talking about the human beings that need to recover from trauma, we need to get over ourselves and start working together. Okay, so that was my point about why this whole thing about marginalized and shadow selves and dissociated selves and soul parts and how they're different even though they're all parts is important to understand because it helps you as the consumer as well as the practitioner to begin to understand why I do have the experience of getting what I call aspects of myself back. But then when I have an actual soul retrieval, it's profoundly different another quality of getting things back and how it's all good it's all necessary it's all important healing work what needs to stop happening is calling all of these other things soul retrieval just because a part of a self comes back okay so um where did we get to so the reason the show focused specifically on soul loss from active combat or significant trauma was to keep the example simple and to give people some help discerning what is true PSD and what is using PTSD as a bypass, uh, for dealing with their everyday dysfunction, dysfunctional families, as I said earlier. And the fact that they have crappy energy body hygiene and that's why they keep getting triggered. Right? So there, there's, there is a line, you know, not every trigger is PTSD. Right, And I shared that show in that way, not because I don't have a full understanding of what's now being called PTSD, but it's that I don't need a PTSD diagnosis or complex PTSD or any of these ideas to describe soul loss. When you look at this from the perspective of soul loss and the many ways we experience soul loss in contemporary life – Its effects, once we have experienced it, as well as its cure, all of this words going on and on and on about what is PTSD and what is its cure, you know, it's a a lot of talk for something that humanity already understands and is already effectively working with. So – So I stand with many today, really, in this long line of people who have learned to work with helping spirits to effect a true cure for soul for soul loss. And anyone who is truly dedicated to trauma recovery needs to open to what the shaman brings uh, that is unique to shamanism. Because it ends the suffering now. And it cures it. I mean, and that's a thing many people aren't even believing can happen. So... PTSD, what's in the archives at Why Shamanism Now? So that's the show that's already there, where I want to go, a little different here today. But I also want to recommend um, the show with Alex Seymour because, it's one, Alex is one of my favorite guests. He was an absolutely beautiful, gracious, humble, deeply wise human being. And he is the man who wrote the book. Psychedelic Marine, a transformational journey from Afghanistan to the Amazon. His own personal story is amazing. But his, the humble way with which he describes discovering these other ways shamanism helped him not only heal from trauma and what would have been correctly diagnosed as PTSD, but, but from this bigger experience of having gone to war. And the the whole, the whole shebang. Essentially, so anyway, the show is in the archives, and um, it is a must read particularly for people suffering particularly particularly for people suffering from PTSD that is arising out of your relationship with combat experience or being um, around combat being a refugee because of war you know in, in any PTSD that's related to that arena okay so. After last week's show, um, a listener wrote in and asked uh he said is a little bit confused. So he says if everyone has soul loss, which is, you know, basically true in the contemporary Western world, put it that way. Um, if you live in a Shipibo village that is still functioning largely as it has for thousands of years, maybe not. But As people, um, living, breathing, uh, engaging in the Western world, you know, using your smartphone and getting a podcast to listen to why shamanism now. Yeah, you probably may have experienced some form of soul loss as you moved through your life. And one of the hardest things for people to embrace, which is where the complex PTSD diagnosis comes out of, by the way, is that not all soul loss is caused by direct trauma. Or even direct, clearly defined abuse. That there is soul loss that can occur from emotional, psychological, or spiritual abuse. These things are possible. And they can also happen from completely impersonal things. Like, uh, your, that have to do with your soul's purpose. So your soul's purpose, let's say, absolutely has to involve music. And you are in a little school system somewhere that has a great music program and a music teacher that really sees this in you and is really nurturing it in you. And then for reasons that have to do with parents and jobs and and survival of your family, your family has to move. And you end up moving to a new school district in a new town where nobody gives a shit about music. That part of yourself that is connected to your soul's purpose and the need for music to be part of your life is going to pretty much stay back there in that old town with the old music teacher and not come with you. And so you can experience soul loss because your soul needs something that it's about to be deprived of. And that's not abusive. You know, the family had to move. There's no abuse in that. There's no trauma. No, There's no direct trauma in that. Nobody was hurting anybody and it happened and even more confusing for people and again, this is why people should start talking to shamans who actually understand what they're doing with soul retrieval because there are people that truly do have beautiful lives. They had great childhoods. Their parents were pretty smart about what they were doing and they did a good job raising them. They didn't experience um some of the horrific things that many children experience and they really really did have a good life and they don't understand in their 20s why certain things just bring them to despair. There's no trauma there. That person's never going to get trauma recovery therapy, but they do have soul loss. So The point that I'm trying to make is that there is a profound expertise that comes from practitioners that are initiated into their shamanic practice and have practiced soul retrieval with contemporary people for decades. There's a deep and profound understanding of the huge variety of circumstances that can create soul loss, why it does, and why... Some soul loss just fits into that kind of garden variety dysfunction that people experience in life. And other issues and sort of clusters of soul loss end up leaving people in the set of symptoms that would get accurately diagnosed as PTSD. And the important thing is when you look at it through the lens of soul retrieval and soul loss it all makes complete sense and it's not complicated it's just about getting a person and their gifts all together in the same place at the same time in the same body where it belongs getting their energy body hygiene spruced up and potentially getting them to work with their helping spirits in a way that they can just um, continue as an adult now to make healthy decisions as they go through their lives and it's still not going to be a guarantee they will avoid more soul loss I mean, nothing is a more direct path to soul loss than an adult losing their child to death or trauma of some kind. So, you know, it's not a guarantee. But if we understood this in our general conversation of the health and well-being of a human being here on the planet, this wouldn't be so hard. It's very real. But it really, really, really isn't being addressed via other means. And that is the thing that I would ask non-shamanic practitioners to actually be willing to understand is if you are not initiated and trained. Okay, so here's the problem. Let's let's be frank. Shall we be frank? Let's be frank. Anybody can go take a class on how to do soul retrieval. Anybody and their dog, frankly. Anybody who wants to pay for it can learn. Someone will teach them, unfortunately. <laughs> so anyone can learn to do soul retrieval. You don't have to have special magic powers to do soul retrieval. It's a trainable skill. That doesn't mean you should be doing soul retrievals. It doesn't mean that you are initiated shaman who now has the correct sort of adjusted life perspective to truly be able to do not only the technique of soul retrieval, but the interpretation Um, the accurate interpretation of it and the transformations of the energies in such a way that the part is actually fully retrieved to the person that originally lost it and that they are supported in what is necessary to integrate that soul part back in and that it's actually a soul part and not a marginalized self or a dissociated self. So back to the listener's question – So he said, so the question is, so everybody has soul loss, right? Well, kind of basically, and very few people have PTSD. Hmm. Maybe not so, so true. I mean, I think now that PTSD is being accepted as a diagnosis, there's a lot of it being diagnosed. Now, the problem with that is there's probably a significant percentage that is not accurate. At the same time, getting you, getting a diagnosis for what is now considered a mental illness, unfortunately, does allow many people to get treatment reimbursed by their medical system. Okay, sure, good, except what treatment you can get is fairly limited based on your insurance company. So, you know, it's a problematic situation. Uh, but, you know, it's important to work with the resources that you have. So, what, the point that I was trying to make in talking about soul loss and PTSD that this listener is asking about is that in a true correct diagnosis of PTSD, there will always be soul loss. And so you might as well add soul retrieval to your recovery process. In general, soul loss does happen in a contemporary life because as, um, Contemporary people in the United States, for example, our culture doesn't have very much respect for people's spirits. It doesn't have a lot of respect for the fact that you came here with gifts that the world truly, dearly needs. not just this world, which is frankly falling apart, but the one that we're dreaming of, the one that is an actual possible future for seven generations in the future. And so the reason that there is more soul loss than PTSD is that PTSD is describing this this fairly high end of sustained life-threatening fear. Whether it's overt and obvious like war or not so overt and very subversive like the very scary dynamics that can happen in families – particularly where one parent is a perpetrator, one or both, um, or that there's a particularly frightening dynamic between the parents, like um, an alcoholic parent who flips back and forth between being angry and violent when they're drunk and depressed when they're sober. That kind of dynamic may or may not create PTSD, but it will most likely create soul loss and so again it's just a matter of degrees but it's also a matter of what other support and care that usually the child receives during childhood so just because an event is generally speaking pretty horrific and tends to cause soul loss like a child being molested What I have seen with people, because people are more aware of this possibility now, is when parents respond appropriately to the child coming home and telling them that they believe the child, they respond appropriately, they follow through, and the adults handle this adult situation, and that the child and that people take care to make sure the child doesn't take any blame or shame on from this event, and that they know it had nothing to do with them and it wasn't their fault, that these children can experience no soul loss from that event because it was handled well. was handled correctly and appropriately by the adults that they're dependent on. Another reason some people just experience soul loss where another person might experience similar soul loss but it rises to a scale of PTSD it has also to do with their own resiliency, their own um, inner gifts and qualities and how they're supported. Um, Internal, how they receive internal support, sorry. Um, So in other words, there's a lot of variables. There's There's a lot of variables and when you view this issue from a perspective of soul loss, the variables don't mean we now need to define things as a series of different disorders. We, they, they just look at this is how a human being responds to this situation and this soul loss with this these characteristics and this is the response to soul loss with these characteristics. And so it's really not that complicated. It's just about actually accepting that human beings have souls. It's a really important reason why they're here, and we can receive wounds at a soul level. And once we understand that and and live into that, then these questions really aren't that complex. So the important thing to understand – okay, from any of the really persistent issues – that we see in in healing. And now I'd like to speak really mainly, well, I'm speaking basically to practitioners and to people receiving their services. There are some really challenging issues that happen in people's lives as children that set them up for being challenged around things like resiliency and the ability to have pers- uh, a healthy perspective in life and not crumble into Shame, blame, guilt, despair, depression, things like that. That while these things may or may not be PTSD, they almost always have soul loss at their root. So, attachment and what what are called attachment disorders. You know, once again, another situation where we have soul loss at the root, but it's not being acknowledged. And so we're, we're treating it because the development is distorted by the soul loss. We then begin to see the attachment disorder later. And so now the person is being diagnosed with a mental illness. Whereas from a shamanic perspective, certain things either occurred or didn't occur that caused a soul loss at a time in development and around certain issues that, um, didn't allow the child to make a healthy attachment to their caregivers. And every response relative to that after makes complete sense from a shamanic perspective. It's not a disorder. It's just what a normal human being would do when this kind of soul loss happens. And so the important thing about the repair or the change or the cure or the transformation or whatever you want to call in that situation. For example, if I'm talking to you and you know from your work on yourself that you have what is called attachment disorder. So what you know is that there is soul loss that occurred at the time when attachment is trying to form. And that it is not – doesn't necessarily mean that you're profoundly broken. It just means that that capacity to create attachment is dormant because the energy that you need to do it is lost to you because it's in the soul part. And so once again, it's another great example actually of um, how understanding that soul loss is at the root of all the persistent – challenging problems we discover in therapy is to just get the soul retrieval around that time of attachment forming the person gets their soul parts back they work do the work to integrate that soul part and their capacity for attachment kicks back in and begins to develop because it's been dormant it's not broken it's not destroyed it's not toxic it just is dormant and when the soul part comes back, soul part gets integrated. And in that integration, you know, the person is practicing, is making that connection, that engagement, that attachment, basically, with their own part who does attachment, right? And they're learning. That energy starts to flow back in their being. It triggers the dormant, um, attachment capacity to start developing and it begins to develop in the person. And, and and so, again, if you have been in therapy for a long time with these quote-unquote disorders, and I'm I'm really using that word with a bad taste in my mouth, um, explore the possibility that soul loss is at the root of this. Because once you bring your soul parts back, your therapy can really start working to transform your life so that you're no longer hobbled by this thing like – lack of the ability to attach, that is coloring every single relationship in your life. Every soul loss colors everything after that loss. Every single fragment of soul loss. And anyone who is working hard to transform a persistent pattern... That you're not really being offered anything other than medication to solve. You really need to, you know, cross cross the line here and step into shamanic healing with an initiated shaman. Okay, and so uh, it's kind of the main theme, really, of today's show is recognizing the way in which the finality of soul loss. As long as the part is gone. You can heal around the issue but never get at the core of the issue. And this is why there's a tendency for people who are rooted firmly and only in therapeutic fields to say, well, this will never really be solved. You know, you'll never really recover. Because if you only do therapy, that's true. You won't. But if you also add the soul retrieval in and bring that part back, that which has been dormant and inaccessible to you will. Can be unlocked and it can grow within you and become available to you and change your entire perspective around that particular thing again, which is, which is the reason I really strongly encourage you to understand that through the lens of soul loss and soul retrieval, the, the level of complexity, but also the level of disappointment that can happen in your therapeutic you psychological recovery can really be transformed, can be changed. So, as I said earlier in the show, there, there are many things I'm starting to see coming into my practice now that PTSD is being diagnosed. And again, I don't think it's bad that PTSD is being diagnosed as long as it's being correctly diagnosed, right? Except, for these things, and the main one being that PTSD – in some schools of thought, PTSD is being presented as a lifelong issue you cannot recover from, particularly complex PTSD, which is not true for all the reasons I just talked about for 45 minutes right? and all the reasons that any other – My my point being, it's not just about me. I'm not special as a practitioner. Any initiated shaman who does soul retrieval work knows this. And we have been doing this for thousands of years. This is not a new field. It's not a new area. It's a well-trod area with some real experts in the area. Okay. So anyway, my point being... One problem I'm seeing is people being told by their practitioners that they cannot heal from this, that it's like childhood diabetes. You're just not going to heal from this. You just have to learn how to adapt to it. Um, and the compensating, or the, the, the companion to that, which is that they're obviously school, literally schools teaching that. And it's not correct. And any shamanic practitioner, traditional or otherwise, can tell you that. So, Please stop saying that, and if someone tells you that, don't believe them. Just get your soul retrievals and carry on. So the other one I'm really tired of hearing is that EMDR or any of these many other things is a substitute for soul retrieval. And it's not that I don't think these are beautiful healing modalities, especially to get people out of their upset and out of their um, kind of patterned trigger response. But it is a bit like sweeping up the breadcrumbs that lead you to the actual lost soul part without actually bringing the lost soul part back. And I say this only because I have, from the beginning of my practice, actually, because EMDR has been around for a long time, from the beginning of my practice, had people totally confused coming to me. Because they have been told by their practitioners that EMDR has done their soul retrieval for them and various other things is, is the same as soul retrieval. This is, this is like a soul retrieval or I've done a soul retrieval for you when they're not an initiated shaman. And it's, and it's not that they're not doing healing, but there's no reason. Okay. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is there is no reason. For any practitioner who is not literally doing initiated soul retrieval work to tell their client or patient they are receiving a soul retrieval via another means because it isn't real. You are bringing parts back of different aspects of the person that are fragmented but not the soul parts and that is something I wish other practitioners had the respect and the humility to come to understand Okay. I'm not going to say that a third time. So the other thing is that therapists learning soul retrieval as an additional modality, you know, I see this a lot, that people are deeply involved in trauma therapy and they see that soul retrieval does offer this other thing they can't quite get their hands on. So they just want to go learn to do soul retrieval so they can offer the complete package. That is profoundly disrespectful. That what I would encourage is therapists to cultivate the respect of shamans as colleagues and develop collegial relationships through which you can refer people to shamans that you respect, that have a good track record. And that will blithely send your clients back to you to continue with their recovery therapy. Um, and that this is a much so, – so in other words, invest time and energy in finding initiated shamans who truly perform soul retrievals, maybe get some yourself, and to truly educate yourself and understand the distinction between soul part integration and inner child work. They are different. They are not the same. And other therapeutic processes – and then cultivate this, these relationships with good practitioners. A lot of people work long distance now. There is no reason to think that you going out to add this as a modality to your repertoire is gonna give your client the same thing in terms of soul retrieval as initiated shaman who is focused on doing precisely this, this particular thing and develop mastery in it over decades. It's just disrespectful. I mean, really, grossly disrespectful. Think about that. So what I would like to see is the deeply dedicated and well-meaning therapeutic community realize that they are late to this party, that shamans have been skillfully and completely healing soul loss for thousands of years. And that they really should be consulting with their peers in shamanic healing. And to ignore this shows a level of privilege and bias that is unacceptable considering that it is literally prolonging your client's suffering. So it is really deeply offensive for allopathic practitioners to treat soul retrieval as a modality anybody can learn. Just as there are truly excellent therapists and some really awful therapists, there are initiated shamans who perform profound healings in one session and those who are doing shamanic healing just because they want to. So for a therapist to decide to do soul retrieval to add to their repertoire is no different than any other uninitiated shaman just doing soul retrieval because they want to. So in a world where we must heal this trauma to become the new people who can write a new story for a new world, in my dream of that new world, all of us – who are providing valid services for people's healing, treat each other equally as well-respected professionals and understand the arena in which we are each excellent and the arena in which we need to refer out. And I hope that particularly in the realm of trauma therapy where people have been deeply, deeply hurt – that we can get together on this in a way that shares our skills, our resources, and respect, not only for the good of those who are traumatized right now, but for the next generations who will be affected by it if we do not find a way to resolve this today. So thank you, everyone. I give gratitude to the earth below, the sky above, to the ancestors that gather around us, all the helping spirits of all of nature around us and the heart that unites us all. Have a good week, everyone.